Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, a part of our year-long journey of thinking about courageous connections. And if you were with us last week, you know that we started a mini-series, The Unexpected Adventure. And I introduced a connection that I made on an Amtrak train heading from Philadelphia to Washington, where I met a man I've been calling Jerome, and who was from Atlanta, and some details about his life and the fascinating conversation that we had led me, and I brought along a friend of mine who I'll introduce in just a moment, to a five-day trip in Atlanta to see Jerome, to talk with him again, and to conduct some interviews with him for constructing some memoirs of his life. And so we are in midst this experience. And so first I want to say hi to Lisa, who's actually going to be with me on this podcast as we explore the journey we've been having. So hi, Lisa. Hi. So Lisa, it's been amazing to have you on this journey and to share this totally unexpected adventure. And, you know, it was my unexpected adventure. And then kind of, I grabbed your arm and said, Hey, (laughs) you want to come along with me? So I'm grateful you're here. Well, I'm happy to be here. I it's my own year of courageous connections, and glad I met you. So, you know, on this segment, we've actually been at the time of this recording. We've been in Atlanta for about two days, and that feels like ten. And that feels like at least ten, right? You know, so much has happened that our heads are completely spinning, and we're not going to cram it all into one podcast, but we can talk about certain pieces of it, but right, Lisa, I mean, it has felt like we've been here days, like absolutely days, <laughs> everything that's happened. And I am curious just a little bit to set the stage of who you are and bring down here. So you have this crazy friend, Adina, who's going on this journey to Atlanta because she met some guy on an Amcrat track train and you know, you said, yes, I'll come along with you for that. So, you know, okay, what possessed you, Lisa, to do that? Well, because last time I said yes to you, Adina, I had a really good time. <laughs> and um, and it satisfied something in me um, and pushed me to, to have a little more courage than I normally would. Um, and Atlanta's a great city, so I figured, how bad could it be? Oh, that could be right. Yes, I yes, I didn't mention that here. But that. also, um, the idea of um, exploring somebody else's life was very intriguing. And I think you know that is really one of the things that I thought it would be good to talk about here. Is you know we've been we're just two days into this, really a day and a half, kind of hanging out with Jerome and following him around and. It has been a really incredible experience of delving into somebody's life in a way that I have to say, I mean, I never have before. No, I don't think many of us have. Even in meeting people that are closest to us, um, we don't always have the opportunity to step back and hear their stories. Uh, And, you know, every time we talk with Jerome, there's some new piece unfolding, whether it's him having been part of the jazz community in Philadelphia or, you know, different aspects of his military service or, you know, the ways in which his photojournalism career has, you know, been unfolding or members of his family who are parts of the civil rights movement. And I will just share one of the highlights is that 
you know, we went to tour the Martin Luther King Center that's here and was at the Baptist Church. And one of the most famous photos that um, is out there, and it's actually in the King Center and it's in the church, is uh, at, from Martin Luther King's funeral. And it's the procession that's kind of the wagon is pulling the casket, right? And there's two mules that are pulling the casket. And on either side, there's two men who are clearly close to um, Dr. King who are guiding the path. And one of them is Jerome's brother. And so who was very active and involved, you know, he's from Philadelphia and very active and involved in the civil rights movement. And to have this experience of journeying with him through the different parts, the house where Martin Luther King grew up and the church and the museum and his family and his brother having been such a huge part of that period. That was incredible for me. Yeah, it was totally incredible. And also, um, you know, his brother has since passed and was obviously the closest of his siblings. And um, to watch the pride and awe that he has for his brother as he goes through this and talks about his role in the civil rights movement, you know, just was very inspiring. Yeah, and we can't miss just our experience of walking into the church first. We just have to share because talk about courageous connections, right? <laughs> we walk through the door of the Ebenezer Baptist Church and the docent who was there that day. Say, Talk about her, Lisa. So Reverend Ricky is about maybe five foot two when she's standing up on her totally straight. Um, she... In the first three seconds, I think, told us that she was um, a few months shy of 90. Um, she is a full-blooded American Indian, um, which she credits somehow Dr. King in having opened her uh, mind to understanding her own heritage and, and doing some research and finding that out. She can, uh, she can kick her foot up with any raquette. Um, <laughs> And has such a joy for life um, that is infectious. And she just, uh, she was extraordinary. We must have talked to her for like 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> right. And, and the best part is when she rolls up her sleeve to show us our muscles because she weight lifts every day. <laughs> and so it was just a matter. And like, you know, why tons of other people walked in. I don't know if they all had the same conversation with Reverend Ricky, but you know, we walked in and it was like another one of those extraordinary moments of like, who is this amazing woman who's now the docent here three days a week at the, uh, um, at the church. So, and that was amazing. And, uh, and she, she does chalk up her long life to growing her own food. So yes. all of you out there, stop going to restaurants, grow your own food and you too. Right, can, can live. live a long life. Right. She says her tribe and people have a history of living till 130, and I would have to say it seems like no doubt that that she is, is well <laughs> she is well on her way. She does not look anywhere close to the end of life at um, just shy of 90, like not even in the plan. So that was pretty amazing. Um, where we wanted to talk about, though, I think, was this experience of being here and exploring someone's life. And let's return back to that theme. And I know, Lisa, we were just talking earlier today, 
just blowing me away because there's a piece of this which is about exploring Jerome's life. And, I mean, it couldn't be more fascinating and more interesting, the range of people that he's known and the assignments that he's had and the experiences. But it hasn't all just been about him. Nope. <laughs> you know, it's been taking the opportunity to delve into someone's life has sent me just absolutely reeling, reeling inside of my own self from the wisdom that he shares, from the experience he reflects back, from the way that it takes me into looking at my own experience. And it's, I didn't expect that and anticipate that when I came. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I think we thought we were here just to hear stories and, and log them. But I think even in the way we've started to think about putting together, um, this project, um, it all is more about the sort of life lessons than a just telling of a story. And, and certainly the greatest among them for him is that, you know, if you just sit back, things happen and they happen because they're meant to happen. And you have to sort of be willing to be open to them happening. So his encounter with us is all about that. And that I think is what sends your mind reeling because um, it's not so much about reflecting your own personal experiences as much as it is about reflecting, are you living your life in a way that leaves you open to the kinds of things that, you know, his wisdom is, you know, he's sharing with us as wisdom. Right. And it's an interesting thing because there's this dual thing going on. It's not exactly, I tried to put this out to him and he really rejected it. It's not totally Forrest Gumpian like, you know, where it's you just <laughs> let the, like that. he did not <laughs> like that at all. Like, so it's not just wherever the wind is blowing, that's where you end up because that's not his experience at all. He's much more intentional than that. And it's this balance, it seems, between having a real intention and clear understanding of who you are and what, you know, your life, you know, how you want to experience life. But then at the same time, allow creating so much space that you allow those things to come into you rather than doing all this striving and running and working after things. And it's and I just have to share this one experience that he shared with us as to this happening in um, what was it, 1995, when he was <laughs> leading a group, and there's so much to the story that we can't share here, but leading this group on the Million Man March. To at, the Million Man. To the million, right, to the Million Man March. And um, amazingly doing, stopping at routes along the Underground Railroad, but in the opposite path, going from north to south. So they went all the way from Philadelphia and walked for five days to Washington, D.C., staying at these checkpoints of the Underground Railroad along the way. And that in this experience... All the photographs that he had taken, save three, had have pretty much been lost. Like, he does not have them anymore. And last night, we go to this event with him that he's working for, and there's a man there who turns up who just happens to have been, like Lisa it happens to have videoed footage of that event and had been there and interviewed Jerome. Right. <laughs> and 
you know, and, and has the, the footage and will provide it to Jerome. So while it is not the whole march there, it de definitely will give him a reminder of his experience and the group that he was with. Right, but let's just kind of really point this out as to how this was all working. So first of all, Jerome was in Philadelphia marching to Washington. We are now in Atlanta, right? right? This event last night, I mean, it was maybe 30, 35 people, 40 people. We're not talking where there were like tons of people, right? No, There's and it was a fashion and beauty event. And it was a fashion and beauty event, right? And... He suddenly, and of the crowd, how many of them were men? Like maybe eight, you know? <laughs> or less, right. Or less. And one of them, because, and we had been talking at lunch about this Million Man March. He'd been talking about the loss of the photographs and all of that footage. And then just hours later, we're standing at this event, and this man comes up to him and recognizes him in some way from this. Because it's not like they would have been talking about it, right? Recognizes him in some way and happens to have footage of an interview with him from that march that he can now share with him. Like, talk about things coming to you, right? You know, opening your heart to them and coming to you, which is mind-blowing. Right. And even the Million Man March experience that he talked to us about, you know, he had an initial plan, a big plan of how he was going to do this and about recruiting people and getting a group of people to go and lo and behold, you know, the event's coming on and he doesn't have the people. He's got the plan, but he doesn't have the people. And meanwhile, there's another group of um, recovering addicts that had a plan with a leader and then their leader isn't there. And so all of a sudden, you know, he's got a plan and he's disappointed, he doesn't but have he's the people. in the right <laughs> place at the right time and the people come. Right. And and it turns out that he's now not just leading any group of people to the Million Man March, but he's leading a group of people that everybody was interested in the, the human interest story that came from leading a group of recovering addicts to the Million Man March by on foot. Right, right. <laughs> So this is one of the things that is so blowing our mind, right, about this experience of, you know, interviewing Jerome and how his life is unfolding and, you know, literally being witness to this balance between being very intentional and thoughtful and yet freeing himself of the striving and of the grasping and of the chasing that I know can be so much a part of how many of us live our lives and it's an incredible thing to be witness to. Um, and we started out this conversation just a few minutes ago talking about the experience of being down here and delving into someone's life, but that the impact that it's also having on us. And earlier today we were talking about the fact what it's like to both be a witness to someone else's life, but then also have the experience of having someone witness your life. And we were talking about that because of the, some of the things that have arisen for Jerome that he's been able to reflect back, like, wow, having you ask me these questions or having you share your understanding of my experience is really deepening his understanding of his life. But it's not just where, like, we expected that that might happen. But the part that we didn't necessarily expect was, I think, what's happening for us. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's right. I think that um, it is, um, it makes you think. Yeah. 
And I know for me, like, the things that he says, I don't think there's any time we're in a conversation with him where he doesn't share a pearl of wisdom or an insight that you have one of these experiences. Like, were you just saying that for me, right? You know? <laughs> what, what are you telling me? Don't personalize this. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't personalize it, but yet it's reflecting right back, and it's it almost like it opens these little ports inside of me of you know, what are things I need to be thinking about or bringing up of just reflecting back to me how I see the world, how I experience the world, how I navigate through the world too. So there's that piece. And then there's also this beautiful thing of, you know, Jerome's experience, I'll even say this for me, of me, you know, and your experience of me. Like, I'm on this, like, we're this integrated threesome where each of us is having the experience of having the others reflect back to us who we are. And, you know, I so didn't expect that at all. I mean, I figured I'm in the interview role. We're going to collect all of this stuff. But, you know, Jerome's experience activates things. His experience of me reflects back. Your experience of me and this whole journey reflects back. And suddenly it's like, wow, like it's as much my journey as it is his. And I have witnesses to my to this journey for me and all this kind of growing and introspection and reflection that's happening that is absolutely changing parts of me on the inside absolutely it it absolutely is and also I think there is such value that we're learning that that you know the life story is so far more than the stories Um, and it is it is really about using those stories as a way to get into the character and the intentionality and the thought processes and and just the essence, more the essence of who someone is. And I think, to your point, what that does for us as we walk through this process is it really does cause you to step back and think about your essence and how, how you present and how how do I think through that and how do I live in that way so that the stories just come from that? The stories are just serve as, um, you know, like they vehicles. punctuate and they're vehicles to really show who you are. Yeah. You know, and as much as I'm engaged in people's stories, cause you know, that's something yeah. I love, right? I love thinking about people's stories. Um, it has for me largely been, I would have the intention, I'm going to explore your story, and what I hope happens here is that something happens for you, that you feel seen, that you feel you know, understood in a way, and I always hope that that's my gift that I'm giving whenever I'm, you know, whether it's in a coaching relationship or even facilitating a large group and certainly on one-on-one conversations. Like it's one of my deepest intentions is I want people to feel seen and heard. And I'm always thinking about their experience. And yes, I always get something from the conversation and yes, you know, there's always things I could process. And this has been much, much deeper than that. I, you know, that it has really been both about that for Jerome, but he turns that right back on you. He does. He turns that right back on you that he is going to help he's going to make sure that you're seen and you're known and every single person we've seen him interact with like there's been a piece of that 
And he even forces it between the two of us. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he forces it between the two of us. And so, yeah, a hugely powerful experience. And one of the things that I think it has been bringing us to the edge, and this podcast is about courageous connections, and certainly my platform is about being curious. One of the things that this has really been punctuating, too, is how much, what it takes to truly embark in, from a stance of curiosity, like the amount of willingness and surrender that's involved in that experience. And Lisa, you're not somebody who necessarily surrenders easily. <laughs> I'm the planner. <laughs> I'm the planner, but I am learning to surrender because I'm seeing, I have seen, you know, I've seen the evidence. I mean, for those of you that don't know, our arrangement and the way Adina and I met was we met in a, an hour and a half brunch that was between our daughters and um, before I knew it I called to see if Adina wanted to have coffee because our girl our daughters wanted us to be friends and before I knew it I was off on a weekend to the Catskills with you having known you only for an hour and a half and if that's not surrender I don't know what is right so it has you know and from that surrender has emerged this amazing friendship. And right. now this, you know, another summer travel adventure um, that we're having. And this thing about the surrender, and Jerome just sort of feels like a walking icon of surrender, right? Yep. A walking model of surrender. And um, he keeps telling you, too. And he, <laughs> right. And look what happens when you surrender, right? And that this what could we encourage or, you know, what does this really take? And I find myself checking myself all the time. Am I trying to push? Am I trying to make something happen? What does it take to surrender? What does it take to let go and have willingness? And I think one of the other important things you and I were talking about this morning is a partner to surrender. Because I think one of the reasons we don't surrender so much is we get so afraid. What if something comes in? You know, what if we don't plan? What if we don't guard, and then something comes in that we don't like or that we don't want. And it really became clear to me that is one of the reasons why we put up barriers and we put up guards and we don't want to surrender because what do we do when something happens or comes in that we don't feel open to or we just know is not really good for us, right? And we were able to have a really good conversation and watch Jerome, who seems like a master at this, of... He stays totally open-hearted, curious, and willing, and yet at the same time, when something sort of comes at him that he knows would not be a good thing, he's worked out responses to that. He knows how he, he's constructed a respectful but clearly boundaried response to that so that he can remain open but not infiltrated by things that would not be healthy or good. And I'm in awe of that. I'm in absolute awe of that. It's something to be learned um, and emulated because it is, it does, it allows you to stay open. Right. And, you know, that's something I know for me, I want to be, I want to stay open to. And this is going to be a really helpful tool to start honing along the way. So one of Jerome's core tenants, you know, we've come to realize is that he really believes that the universe will open doors for you. 
And so if you stay open and you do surrender, but with intention, that the universe will open doors. And he is really deeply committed to opening doors. And one of the fun things about this trip has been the doors that he has opened for us. And we can only imagine, since it's only the end of day two, (laughs) what other doors might open along the way. So I want to bring this conversation to a close with one is stay tuned as we talk next time in the next episode, episode three, about the doors that are opening for us and for Jerome. And we want to leave you with this game-changing question of, What steps can we take toward an increasing level of surrender, to a willingness to surrender? And so sit with this question with yourself, you know, what steps could I take that would allow me to expand my capacity and my willingness to surrender? Anything you want to add to that? That's it, because lots of good can come in. Yeah. So this has been episode two of The Unexpected Adventure. We'll be back again (laughs) next week with doors that are opening and fascinating uh, tales of what may unfold. And we'll be back with you again then. So stay tuned and stay with us. And if you love this episode, please share it with friends. Share it on social media. You can get on to the Facebook group of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant and make comments or share your experience of listening into this. And if you can rate this podcast, if you're enjoying it, go on to iTunes and rate this podcast. And we will be back with you again next week.